On this episode of the Hanford Insider, Rob sits down with retiring Hanford Police Chief Parker Sever to talk about his career in Hanford and his future plans. This is the Hanford Insider for Monday, October 9th. Welcome to this episode of the Hanford Insider. I'm your host, Rob Bentley. We've got a very special episode this week with the retiring Hanford Police Chief, Parker Sever. Due to the length of the interview, I won't be doing a community calendar, but you can go back to last week's episode to see what all is happening this second week of October. Eric will also be back next week with the high school sports updates. We're here with Parker Sever of the Hanford Police Department. As many of you may have heard, he is moving on to uh, Utah to be closer to his family. Uh, Welcome to the show, Parker. Thank you. Hey, Parker, uh, can you tell us a little bit? uh, You've been in Hanford since 1997 with the police department, but what what brought you to Hanford? I was actually born in Los Angeles. I only lived there for about a year, though. So, And then uh, my, my family moved up to Fresno, and we lived right over by St. Agnes. And uh, we uh, that's where I grew up, was in Fresno. And we moved around a little bit, not too much. I ended up on the west side of Fresno for a little bit, where we built a house and for and in Clovis for a short period of time. And I eventually decided I wanted to be a police officer. And through that process, I applied at different agencies around California. And I actually you know, first place that offered me a job was Hanford. And uh, I actually, I was offered a job the exact same day at Hanford and Pismo Beach. <laughs> wow. And it what was a, a little bit tempting because I was like, I'd go to, I'd, it'd be foggy here and I'd go over to Pismo and, and, and we'd spend the rest of the day on the beach. And I was like, ah, this is kind of nice. But ultimately, uh, I, I stayed in Hanford. I think the main reason was was because that's where my family was. My of mom course. was here, my sister, my brothers. And so we wanted to be in my wife's family as well. So we wanted to be close to them. Yeah, that's great. What an opportunity. So you joined the department. And how did you um, proceed up the ranks to eventually chief? Yeah. So I, I think one of the interesting things, it was kind of funny. I, I think I almost didn't get employed here. I was driving around to Hanford kind of, I, I, I was a little bit familiar with it because um, I'd come up here for sporting events and stuff. I was uh, went to Hoover High in Fresno. And so I remember going to like, it's Tacos El Grulo now, but it used to be a Taco Bell. I remember going to Taco Bell there. So I was a little bit familiar. I was familiar with the uh, the wonderful smelling water. And uh, so I was driving around a little bit before my interview to get acquainted with the you know, the surroundings and those lights that uh, are downtown that are off to the side, wasn't really used to those. I ran a red light. I was like, I'm looking around going, oh my gosh, what if I'd gotten a ticket right before my interview with Hanford? <laughs> Could have changed the whole course of my life. <laughs> so, um, uh, Chief DeCure was the one that hired me. And it was kind of interesting when we, I was in the interview with him in the, in the chief's office where, where I'm at now. In one of his questions, I still remember, he goes, where do you see yourself here? And um, I told him, I go, well, your seat looks pretty good. I was completely joking. I am not that arrogant, <laughs> nor did I even think I was going to be the chief. I just, I was just thought it was funny and we laughed about it. And then we carried on with the interview and, and I was eventually hired by, by Hanford. Um, just like um, all Hanford officers, I started out on patrol. 
And then I uh, was promoted to corporal in about probably about 2002 or so. I'm probably a little off on my date, so don't don't exactly quote me on. And then I was a corporal for a couple of years and um, I put in for sergeant. Um, the first time I put in, it was actually I'd only been a corporal for a short period of time. And I remember I, I walked out of that interview. It was the worst interview I've ever done in my life. I, I did so bad, like I completely bombed the interview. And uh, I was like, well, wasn't ready yet. <laughs> and so the, the next time the, the, they came around for uh, interviews for a sergeant, I actually got the sergeant position. And I was a sergeant for a couple of years. And then uh, I promoted to lieutenant. And I was a lieutenant for almost exactly one year before I promoted to captain. And then I was a captain for you know eight or nine years. And then I've been the chief for eight years. So vast majority of my time has been on the management side of things, which has been good and bad. I mean, like if I was to ultimately like look back in my career and think, you know, if I could just do it how I wanted to do it, how would it be? I, and I, that I would have been on patrol much longer. Oh, for sure. I just... I mean, that's why I got into this line of work was because of that direct contact that we have with people. And I love that. And I, I still miss it to this day, just being able to be that first responder out there and um, on their worst day and trying to help them through whatever problems they're, have, they're having. And I still get to do that on a, on a scale, on a smaller scale. And I, and now, my, But now my service is much more directed towards officers, giving them the stuff that they need to make sure that they're successful so that they provide a good quality um, service to the community. Yeah. So under your term, you've actually had some really good successes with programs. Um, I think of the Police Activities League, some of the other things you've done for the youth and um, community outreach. What are some things that you're especially proud of that uh, you've been able to tackle during yeah, your time I mean, here? Those were huge. Um, I, I think we pretty much only had the um, Explore program prior to, um, you know, for a long time. Um, and we had the D.A.R.E. program, which uh, Mark Dillon did the D.A.R.E. program. He was super awesome at it. But every once in a while, it's nice to kind of change things up a little bit to kind of freshen things. So when Dare, when uh, Mark finally retired, um, we went to, uh, I think it was a great program, which did well. And then uh, we went to our, our PAL program, which is our Police Activities League. And we've kind of kept our Explorer program through the whole thing. And our Explorer program is is super awesome. They do such a fabulous job. And and I actually had the, the Boy Scouts of America call because the Explorers are part of the Boy Scouts. And the local, the rep for California called me because during COVID, everything was all messed up. And he goes, hey, we need you back you know, on our, on our roster. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, what do we got to do? And he goes, man, you are the number one Explorer program in California. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen the trophies and all the articles. They do a great job. They they do now. And our officers have done an outstanding job. And so now we're prior to, now we're just starting to get back into that. But we've also actually been able to greatly expand the services that we're providing to the youth. Some of the things that we're doing now is we have our Junior Explorer program, which services uh, fourth and fifth graders. And those are after school programs, you know, latchkey kids, perhaps a little bit more at risk. But the school district has liked it so much that now we're expanding it for two more years as well. And that'll be a great feeder into our Explorer program. And those on the Junior Explorer level, they kind of do things. We kind of train them a little bit on what cops do, but it's obviously they're much younger kids. So we we kind of make it tailor it towards them. And we talk about drug prevention and we run them through obstacle courses and and we they get to meet a bunch of different officers and find out what our favorite donuts are and uh, (laughs) all of those things. 
and probably will be close to two to 300 kids that we're doing each year and into into that program now. And then our Explorer program, obviously, that we know about that we just talked about, it, it's much more designed towards um, somebody who wants to be a police officer later on in life. And so they have competitions where they do things that a police officer does out in the field. So they'll do felony car stops. They'll do sexual assault investigations. And these are all mock investigations that they perform. And then when they go to the competitions, they're asked to perform those in front of tenured officers who are rating them on um, how they do. And they offer them, we've had numerous kids get, you know, small scholarships and laptops and besides all the trophies that they've won. And uh, that's been really, really successful for us. So we're probably at last count, which was a number of years ago, we had, I think, 30 to 35 of our explorers have went on to become uh, police officers. And that we probably have a half dozen of them at our agency right now. Yeah. Uh, did at the last city council meeting, I think some of them yeah. were actually penned, right? Yeah. So it's been really successful just to bring in recruits here and then also to um, just helping the youth out. And then we also expanded into um, our boxing program. And so the boxing program we've run about, I think right now we're at about 55, but we can usually hit up to about 70 and it's girls and boys. And uh, we have the, the, the building that the city was, uh, that we were able to purchase with city funds on the Nat old National Guard Armory. And that building is, uh, it's a pretty awesome building. And we've done a lot inside it. We have two boxing gyms. We have a full um, gym with workout equipment. Um, we also have our canine field there. We store our armored vehicles there. And we have our, our shooting simulator and stuff for the officers. So we use it for a lot of different things. And that program's been hugely successful. We partnered with Hanford Boxing Club. Um, they were working out of a chicken coop at the uh, fairgrounds. And so this is a huge upgrade. In fact, Ruben tells me, he goes, uh, there, he's only seen one gym in California that's better than the one in Hanford. Mm -hmm. And that was, uh, it was sponsored by Monster Energy Drinks and had like a huge LED TVs everywhere. And and I'm not sure we want to get like that. Those are those guys don't box. They're they're too posh. So <laughs> so um, it's it's been good, and the kids love it, and they're not charged for anything. Um, one of the uh, a really good compliment I received. We were doing a boxing tournament Sierra Pacific. I believe it was Jason Brazil, who actually used to be a police officer here, but he was a, a principal. Um, at Hanfordell after he retired from there for, from, uh, no, he didn't retire. Sorry. After he left Hanford PD to become a teacher. And he said that kid right there, um, that's boxing right now. He goes, I came to see him. He goes, until he joined your program, he's the worst kid in my school. And now I don't have any problems with him. And that's, that's what we're trying to do is, is mentor those kids and help them. We don't charge anything for any of the services that we provide. And a lot of the officers donate a lot of their own time and energies to uh, making sure that these uh, things are successful. One of our officers is now starting. It's the, we have the trainers coming down in October. It's going to be the um, Powell mountain biking team. And so we're going to start out with about 10 or 12 riders and uh, volunteers from the PD. And we're going to go to mountain biking tournaments. It was funny when I proposed it to the city, we obviously have the kids insured and all that. But yeah, for sure, they were like, I don't know, that sounds really dangerous. I go, well, right now I have 55 kids hitting each other in the head all day. <laughs> and they're like, that's a fair comment. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I think one of the great things is about these programs as well is, it's not just the, the, the PD 
and the city paying the city um, has super supported us, but they really don't have to contribute a lot of money now. They do contribute some, and and obviously overtime for officers and some of our our staff time. Um, and they all purchase buildings, and they've just redid the parking lot, and so they, the city has invested in it as well. So I, I, they've been awesome, but the community has bought into these programs. Yeah, they they certainly have. Um, if I could, you know, as the top cop. <laughs> Um, you've had to have been administrator over an entire department of the city. And I know that the police can get um, the headlines, um, both good and bad. And there's, you know, there's tragedy and some stories. And can you think of a particular challenge or a time during your tenure here that you really felt it was upon your shoulders to kind of lead the department through the particular situation? Yeah, there, I mean, there's been a lot of like critical incidents that I can think of. Um, there were some uh, that have, you know, personally affected me where I, it just, uh, it was very difficult to handle. And I think we, we've developed a good um, resources for the officers to get through those processes. And like some of those is, is our peer support program. So now we have officers that, that run this peer support program that when we have a critical incident, they'll respond out and talk to the officers and we kind of pull admin out of it so that they feel more free to, to talk openly. Um, we also have the city's uh, employee assistance program. And then we have a new app that we just rolled out about a week or two ago where they can access all these resources. The officers can just from their phones. And if they need like they're having an issue with anxiety, they can click on articles about anxiety or contact our our, uh, our mental health counselors for them to talk to. Um, because I don't think it's, it's I, I think one of the things for me is this, the our officers see a lot of bad stuff. And it's not reasonable to assume that these bad things are never are not going to affect them in their future. And we don't want officers to just be um, to, to come out of this as a damaged person. We want them to be better people when they come out. So we provide these additional resources for them to access them um, so that they, they can come out, hopefully better people. One of the things I'm really proud of that we implemented was um, and probably one of the only departments that do it around here that I know of is we every single officer at the Hanford Police Department talks to a counselor every single year. And so you, it's required. It, it's not reported back to me. They can talk about football for the guy with with the counselor for an hour. And I initially, when I had this idea running through my head and I talked to my admin about it, I was a little worried that I was going to get some pushback from the officers. And I, what I was trying to do is destigmatize that it's bad to talk to somebody. And um, I got... I've gotten no negative comments from the officers. The only negative thing I received was our first um, counselor that they were talking to, the psychologist. The officers re were coming back saying, um, and I love this guy to death. So if he hears it, he <laughs> know that I love you. Um, they said he talks too much and we want to talk. And so that was awesome to hear. So we changed to a different provider and, and they seem very happy about it. And I've person and we do it from the chief on down. So I personally have been interviewed, um, you know, several times. Yeah. That's so important. Yeah. And it's just, I, I think a lot through those things, I've just learned that you just have to do your best to, which I'm not always good at. And so I have to rely on my cap, Stephanie and, and James Lutz and, and the other people to let me know, Hey, you need to look at this, these things closer. Cause I, have been a pretty uh, unemotional person for a lot of my career. And so, um, I, I, I can't take it. That's not how everybody is. 
And so they'll tell us, they're like, hey, so-and-so just had to had to do CPR on a baby. And and so we're like, okay, then we'll we'll run them through the different things. So it's important that the, all these officers work together to to um to come up with um to help each other out and to make it through this occupation as, as unscathed as we possibly can. I've had to do a lot of really bad things. I mean, um, we had to arrest an officer once. And um, I remember I was uh, the one that put the handcuffs on him. And, and that's that's not a fun thing to do, but that you have to hold people accountable. Mm -hmm. And if we believe in accountability on the criminal side, we have to believe in accountability on the police side as well. Exactly. And so, you know, I think one of the toughest things I probably went through was my cancer. And although it wasn't like a crime or anything, um, I know it greatly affected the PD as well. And this is going to sound a little bit strange, but I have a lot of fond memories of going through cancer. Um, I had stage four colon cancer. So I had to, I think Dr. Tw well, found out later, I was trying to stay away from all those stats, but I had about 5% chance of living. I had seven tumors, uh, one in my colon, six in my liver, and I had nine surgeries and chemo. And I came to work most of the time. I don't think I was supposed to, <laughs> but, um, you know, it was, you know, the officers just, I mean, I think they kept me alive. I mean, just being able to commute, you know, not be at home thinking about passing away, but being at work and being able to contribute as much as I could. And then knowing how much they actually cared about me. And then knowing how much um, the, the community cared about me. And that was huge towards my recovery. And um, it also made me a lot more of a uh, empathetic person prior to what I was before. And so I, I often think I've often wish I was the type of person that I am now uh, prior to cancer. Because right now I think I'm a more patient person. I think I'm a better father. I, I think I do a better job of, you know, caring about people's feelings and stuff than I did in the past. Not that I was uncaring, but I, I definitely, it was kind of funny. I, throughout my career, I'd get a, a, the two complaints that I was either mean or I was at the either, and I, or I was laughing all the time. And laughing is my go-to response. I was just going to yeah, say that's my, but, but likewise, if I was on a traffic stop and I knew I was going to write a ticket, I wasn't mean. I, I, people could say is that, but I didn't get into conversations with people. I, I just walked up to the car and I'm like, hey, you know, how are you doing? My name's officer Sever. I pulled you over for speeding. I needed to see your license, registration, insurance. And I was very professional and to the point because I knew that if I stopped, started talking to these people, I would become their friends and I wouldn't write them a ticket. <laughs> and unfortunately, Unfortunately, um, our officers have to, I mean, if I told officers, we kind of frown upon yeah, that. Yeah. We, we, it's part of their job. And there's a direct correlation between writing tickets and injury accidents. Mm -hmm. And so to keep people safe, we have to write tickets. And we, you know, we write about 5,000 a year, but our officers don't like, like writing tickets. I mean, like if I told officers, Hey, never worry about writing tickets again. You know how many tickets I'd receive the next month? Zero. And so it's, it's just, they have a, a job to do. And sometimes that job just isn't very fun. Um, and so we try to make the best of it in whatever, you know, we're dealing with different personalities. So I would either get that I was a jerk or I was laughing. I'm like, what polar opposites though? <laughs> <laughs> so you're in the process of packing up your stuff and moving to be closer to your family. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about this move and uh, what you're looking forward to? So I was set to retire, um, no matter what in, uh, uh, January, February of 2025. So just over a year from now. And it could have been, you know, up and down depending on where PERS is, my retired, our retirement system. 
And um, I made that commitment to my wife. Uh, she wanted to be in in Utah, and we so we'd been looking for a property and things and housing up there, to preparing to move in a year. I'd been starting to work on my house to get it ready for sale and stuff. And as we were doing that, it came across that that Heber City was looking for a police chief. And um, I actually initially didn't even put in. And I, I let it expire. And in 27 years, I've never applied for a single agency, not one time. So this is the only place I've worked or tried to work. And so then they extended it. And my wife goes, hey, they extended that position. And she goes, I think you should put in for this. So I, I ended up putting in for it. And obviously, I, I've received the position. But I, I told my wife, I go, you know, I I love being a police officer. I don't necessarily like California politics right now. I love California. I think it is the best state in the union. We have everything. We got the ocean. We got the uh, the mountains. We have the desert. And we have the valley. Um, we have everything here. It's just some of the politics, especially in relation to um, the police side of it, is very challenging. And, and it's been difficult for us to get our heads around a little bit. And so um, I was like, man, if I can, you know, retire here and then go to Heber and still continue doing what I love, because I'm going to get a job there no matter what. I'm, I'm still young. So in a year from now, I'm going to get a job doing something. But if I can still be a police officer for a longer period of time, I'm like, oh, that would just be awesome. And then uh, my sister got a, her husband got a job there just a couple of weeks ago. So they're moving there and my daughter lives there and most of my nieces and nephews. And so um, we were just like, yeah, that's, that's a good, a good home base for us to be. And I say home base, but um, man, I, whenever I come back to Hanford, I think that's going to end up being home. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, Parker, on behalf of um, my listeners and behalf on behalf of the people of Hanford, I would like to thank you for your service to the community and we wish you and your family the very best in your future endeavors. Well, thank you. It's, it's uh it has been a blessing for me to serve here for 27 years at, or close to. And then um, I've just I've loved the officers I've served with and I've loved the the city of Hanford. Um, it's it's just been a fabulous place. I never considered leaving because I never wanted to. The city has treated me, treated me well. The community has been so supportive to, to me throughout the years. It's just unbelievable. And I couldn't have asked for a better place to um, start and end my career. Well, that's all the time we have for today's show. If you'd like to join the Hanford Insider email list, send a subscribe request to hanfordinsider at gmail.com. Help me get the word out about the show by liking and sharing on social media or telling a friend. For more information about the show, you can find this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, and YouTube at Hanford Insider. If you have a show idea, be sure to email me at hanfordinsider at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great week.